Hello again, this is Edwin Crozier from the Franklin Church of Christ. Thank you for joining us as we study the Lord's will, learning how to serve and honor and glorify Him, how to grow and be more Christ-like. In this lesson, we've got a special treat for you. One of our brethren at the Franklin Church, one of our deacons, Steve Garrett, presented this lesson telling us about the thorn that will not go away. Open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and let's learn about that thorn in the flesh. 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 1 is where we will begin our lesson this morning. Appreciate the opportunity to speak in Edwin's presence today. I think the elders may have been concerned about Edwin's state of mind after having spent no telling how many hours in a car with children in a hurricane and traffic. We needed to evaluate you this morning before we would let you get back up here, Edwin. In 2 Corinthians, the basic theme of the book, at least as far as I can understand, the Apostle Paul has answered many of their questions that had been posed to him in the, the book of 1 Corinthians. And this is in many ways a follow-up letter to that. But there are still some problems among the church at Corinth, and the main problem is that now Paul is worried about their faithfulness because there are some other teachers, false teachers perhaps, who are seeking to pull away the Corinthians from the truth that they had been taught by Paul. And when we see the Apostle Paul, we many times I'm in awe of him when we consider all that he did for the Lord and all that he endured for the Lord and how he was just 100% for the Lord in his life. And he had that goal of, of preaching and teaching the gospel to every creature wherever they were. But as we look in 2 Corinthians, I think we see a little more of his heart in that he is so concerned for the Corinthians and what they may do is in following these false teachers. And in verse 1 of chapter 12, he says, Boasting is necessary, though it is not profitable. But I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. It's kind of interesting when Paul says that boasting is necessary, because the first thing I think of when I read that statement is, well, wait a second, Paul, haven't you told us in, in other places, and didn't the Lord tell us in other places that we need to be humble and that we need to get rid of boasting and that we need to put that away from us? And here you're saying that this is something that is necessary. But he follows it up by saying it's not profitable. So I'm going to have to boast a little bit, Paul is saying, but I'm not doing it. It's not going to give me any profit, but I'm doing it for a certain reason. Just a few verses earlier in chapter 11, Paul talked about uh, many things about himself. In verse 22, he talks about these false teachers and he says, Are they Hebrews? Well, so am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they descendants of Abraham? Well, so am I. In other words, if they want to tear me down, as far as my pedigree goes, it's at least as good as theirs, if not better. Now, Paul is not in any way bragging about his background. 
but he's simply pointing out the fact that if they were going to make these arguments, that he could make them as well. Going on in verse 23, he begins to talk, you know, chapter 11, he begins to talk about some of the persecutions he endured. I more so, in far more labors, in far more imprisonments, beaten times without number, often in danger of death. Five times I received from the Jews thirty-nine lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have spent in the deep. Now why is Paul talking all about these? Is he just trying to get us to see that he was a good guy? I don't think so. I think what he's pointing out is if these people are going to say that they've suffered for Christ and that that makes them something that I certainly can say, if that's what you're listening to, look at the persecutions I've endured. And then he goes on into the perils that he had to endure. In verse 26, I have been on frequent journeys and in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers in the sea, dangers among false brethren. I have been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. All of these dangers or these perils that he endured, no one could compare to that. And in verse 28, he talks about the pressures that were put upon him. And apart from such external things, there is the daily pressure upon me of concern for all the churches. His pedigree, his pedigree, these persecutions and perils and these pressures, he endured them. And he's not boasting of these things to say, look at me. He's simply saying, listen to me, I've done these things, you know I've been through these things. And he's saying this so that they would understand that the word he taught was the word of God. He did not want them drawn away from Christ. So we pick him up here in chapter 12 and verse 1. He says, but I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. And the last argument he's going to make here is his argument from weakness. Now, he begins by introducing this argument with the visions and revelations of the Lord that he had received. In verse 2, I know a man in Christ, and he is speaking of himself, who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know, or out of the body I do not know, God knows, such a man was caught up to the third heaven. And I know how such a man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, God knows was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words which a man is not permitted to speak. On behalf of such a man I will boast, but on my own behalf I will not boast, except in regard to my weaknesses. For if I do wish to boast, I shall not be foolish, for I shall be speaking the truth. But I refrain from this, so that no one may credit me with more than he sees in me or hears from me. And because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, to keep me from exalting myself. Concerning this, I entreated the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he has said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weaknesses. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses, that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, 
then I am strong. His last argument here then, in regards to these false teachers, to the Corinthians, was an argument from weakness. Now, he's not boasting, he says here, of his weaknesses. He's simply pointing out that during his life, at some point, because of these great revelations that he had been given, that God gave him what he calls his thorn in the flesh. And Paul says that this is something that has not gone away, even though he had prayed three times to the Lord to take this thorn away. The revelation that he talks about here in chapter 12 is is perhaps the third revelation we know of. And on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 9, you remember that as he was heading there to uh, persecute the church, that the Lord appeared to him on that road and, and gave him a revelation of himself that no one else witnessed. He also says in Galatians chapter 1 and verse 12 that he received a revelation of the gospel. And here in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he talks about uh, this situation where he was caught up into the third heaven. And he says he does not even know if he was in his body or, or outside of his body. But this miraculous event took place where he was given this, re- this revelation in paradise. He says in verse 4, he heard inexpressible words which a man is not permitted to speak. And because of these revelations, the Lord gave him something that he called his thorn in the flesh to keep him humble. There's been a lot of speculation and discussion about Paul's thorn in the flesh. Well, what was it? Well, he never reveals what it is. But we do know certain things about his thorn in the flesh. And one thing we know about his thorn in the flesh, it must have been something pretty significant because when you compare it with all of the persecutions and perils and trials that he discussed in chapter 11, to even notice something else, it must have been significant compared to all of those other trials. Or I don't even think he would have noticed it. Now, we think of a thorn as a sticker. We see sticker bushes and and they have thorns on them and we may get a thorn in our finger and it may hurt and we might have to get a pair of tweezers or a needle and take it out and it hurts for a little while. But the actual word here that's translated thorn is our word for stake. So we're thinking of something much bigger than a little thorn. Think of perhaps a, a long wooden stake with a pointed end on it. And then we're getting more of the idea of what this word really implies. It would be a constant source of profound pain, whatever it was. And it had been with him for some time. He had had time to pray about it three times. I'm assuming that the Apostle Paul would probably be like many of us. He wouldn't just pray three days in a row and say, hey, it's not gone. But he probably waited some time in between these prayers to the Lord, and it was still with him. So it must have been something, and it was certainly something that was not insignificant. Now, some have suggested perhaps it was a physical illness, which it certainly may have been. Could it have been a physical illness that kept him from carrying the message of the gospel as much as he would like to have done so? An eye disease, malaria, who knows? We don't know. It could have been a physical illness. Perhaps it was also a spiritual illness with Paul. Even though Paul was 
so great in many ways. He was a man and he would be subject to temptations like the rest of us. And perhaps there was some temptation that Paul was faced with that we don't know about. And it kept him in constant turmoil. He mentions the burden of the churches in verse 28 of chapter 11 and all the pressure that he felt from that constantly. The daily pressure of concern. That was something that didn't just happen once and never went away. He felt the pressure and the concern over the churches that he had established on a daily basis. Perhaps it was all of these. Perhaps it was something we don't know about. But what we do know is that three times Paul prayed to the Lord to take this stake out of him. And he wanted some relief from this thorn in the flesh. And what I'd like to suggest to you this morning is that we all have thorns in the flesh. There is not a single one of us who is immune from having something in our lives that we have prayed about and that we would like to be taken away, something that causes us pain. And yet it's still there with us. And we can identify with the Apostle Paul. Perhaps it is some sort of disabling malady. A physical ailment that we have. And we know, because the doctors have told us, that it is not going to go away. We're not talking about a temporary headache or a temporary strain in the back. We're talking about something that constantly hurts us. Something that constantly ails us. Something that is so strong it even affects our our attitude and our outlook on life. And we will have to live from it. And it keeps us from doing what we would like to do. You know, I'd really like to do more for the service of God, but I have this physical ailment and physically I cannot do those things. That could be a thorn in the flesh. Or perhaps it is some sort of temptation that we deal with. We all deal with temptation. And we know that Satan is real. He's out there and he's trying to pull us away from God. And there are some temptations that I face that would not bother anybody, but they bother me. And there are some temptations that you face that would not bother me, that I would not have to deal with. And the thing that's so hard in dealing with Satan and these temptations is he knows what's going to get me. And what can get you? And so he keeps on, day after day, bringing these temptations to us, and we have to deal with them, and that can be very painful. Perhaps it is some sort of mental affliction. And by that, I don't necessarily mean mental insanity, but some sort of addiction. That is not only a physical problem that we have to face or some sort of chemical dependency or something like that, but also a mental compulsion. That we really wish it would go away and we didn't want to be in that situation or we got ourselves in a situation and now we're confronted with trying to overcome that and we have this problem. It could also be personal relationships. You know, the Apostle Paul many times had his distractors. 
He had those who would try to tear him down to build themselves up. And sometimes we have personal problems and personal relationships issues that are so painful. First one that many times we think about is, is the, are those in the home. Because we live in close proximity with those in our home and in our family and, and sometimes that marriage relationship is not what it ought to be. Sometimes the very person that we're married to, our spouse, is our thorn in the flesh. They are the source of the heartache. They're perhaps bitter. They're unkind and, and harsh to us on a daily basis. And we have to live with that. In that intimate relationship and contact. We could just use one bit of word of encouragement from them, but it never comes. And there are people that have to live in that kind of situation. And it's hard. Sometimes it's our parents. I saw just a, a brief glimpse on television last night, and I don't even remember what it was, because I was probably flipping the channels trying to watch hurricane coverage. But there was a, a man on there who, for just a moment, I stopped, and he talked about all the problems he had gone through as a child. Not having any parents being raised in a foster home. And even in that foster home, there was verbal and physical abuse. And he finally got into uh, drug addiction. But his life had, had changed a lot. And he had turned his life around. But he did not have what we expect from his parents and from his home. An encouraging atmosphere. Or sometimes it's the child who is the pain, the source of pain, to the parents. And how many parents have had children that they've raised and loved, and when they grew up, it was rebellion, rebellion, rebellion. And that's hard to deal with. And dare I even say it, sometimes the relationships that we have to deal with that cause us pain are those from our brethren. Some of the worst conflicts and the hardest, bitterest feelings have arisen within churches. One for another. One brother towards another. One sister towards another sister. And this creates problems. And we have these thorns to deal with. And we know it. How did Paul deal with his thorn in the flesh? Because I think if we look at how Paul dealt with his thorns, we can learn something on how we can deal with ours. Let me suggest, first of all, that Paul did not act foolishly in this regard. Paul didn't say when he prayed to the Lord, you know, I've given you everything. I've sacrificed my career. I've sacrificed having a family. I've done everything. And I still have this thorn and I prayed to take it away, and I still have it. He didn't do that, did he? He says in verse 8, 2 Corinthians 12, Concerning this, I entreated the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses, that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Paul wasn't bitter. Paul didn't lose hope. He remembered that this 
thorn in his flesh was a gift of God. He says in verse 7, it was given to me a thorn in the flesh. God gave him this thorn. And Paul considered it a gift of God that he could have this thorn in the flesh, even though he would like it to be gone. He knew that it was given to him. It could keep him humble in regard to these great revelations he had given. And he turned to God for help. He pleaded with the Lord and he trusted God and he still had in his memory how much God had done for him. He said in 1 Timothy 1.15, Paul called himself the chief of sinners, but yet God forgave him of that. He knew God had forgiven him, and if God would forgive him, then whatever God was doing for him right now in his life was something that Paul needed. He was confident that God could take this situation, whatever it was, that nothing happened by mistake, and that it could all work out according to his will. And he realized that God was a lot smarter than he was. When he prayed and the Lord said in verse 9, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is perfected in weakness. Paul knew that God was smarter than he. And he could accept that. And acceptance was Paul's answer. Paul accepted this. My strength is made perfect in weakness. That he would not trust in himself. That he could be brought low so that he would never forget to trust in God that he had to constantly grow spiritually. Over in the book of uh, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 11, Paul had said, Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. The word learn, Paul learned to be content. He didn't start out that way. And he knew he wouldn't grow overnight. And that this thorn in the flesh as painful as it was, was teaching him something that he needed to learn. And he used the thorns that he had been given to preach the gospel. When he was arrested in Acts chapter 21 and verse 27, under the false charge of taking a Gentile into the temple area, the Jews plotted to kill Paul, and he was arrested. And from that point on, he would go from one trial to the next. He would eventually get to Rome. And in all of this, you could see that maybe he would think, I want to be out there preaching the gospel on these missionary journeys, just like he had been doing for several years. But now that stopped. Did that discourage Paul? Did he quit when that happened? Of course he did. And we find him preaching to Felix and Drusilla in Acts chapter 24, He preaches to Festus, King Herod Agrippa, and Bernice in Acts chapter 26. So Paul took whatever circumstance he was in and continued to do what he needed to do. On his voyage to Rome in Acts chapter 27, the ship endures a shipwreck and he lands on the island of Malta. Now how discouraging would that be? He's finally on the move. He thinks he's going to get to go to Rome and he can get there and preach the gospel. And on the way, the ship is wrecked. And he has to spend several months on the island of Malta. But we see in Acts 28 and verse 9, Paul healing all these people. The circumstance that he found himself in, he could use 
to the betterment of the gospel. While in Rome, he finally makes it there in Acts chapter 28, and he's awaiting a hearing with the Roman emperor, and for two years he's under arrest, waiting this hearing. But he says again in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 14, that all of these things worked out for the furtherance of the gospel. And he says, and, and, that, and that most of the brethren, trusting in the Lord, because of my imprisonment, his imprisonment was teaching a lesson. They have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. What great attitude that was. He finds himself in prison, and yet he looks at it in the sense of the brethren have more courage now to preach than they would have if I hadn't been put in prison. So how do we deal with our thorns? What should we do with the thorns that we've been given? Whatever they are. Is it a thorn of our flesh and the body? Is it something in our minds or of our spirits? What do we do with these never-ending trials? Well, like Paul, we have to keep on going, first of all. It is never an excuse to quit. To just climb into bed, turn our faces to the wall, and pull the sheets over our head and say, I cannot continue. That's not an answer. We all have these thorns, but that does not give us the right to quit trying. And we have to agree with Paul in chapter 12 and verse 9. These aren't weaknesses, perhaps, that we have. We have infirmities of the body and of the mind and of the spirit. But to know that God can use our weaknesses to perfect His power. My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. So many times what we're trying to do is control the situation. We're trying to control things and make things happen the way we think they ought to happen. If it's a physical ailment, well, I need to go to the doctor and I need to have him make me well. And that's true, we do. But what if the treatments don't work? We don't have control over all of that. What if it's a problem I have in my mind, I can't get my thinking straight, and I try and try and try, but I can't get my attitude right, and I feel like I'm never going to be successful in that regard? We have to know that God is the power. I can't control all of those things, but God is the power. And what if it's something, a relationship with another person? I can't change another person. I don't have power over everybody. I don't have power over anybody. What I need to do is work on myself. He is our strength. In Philippians, again, Chapter 1 and verse 20, Paul says, According to my earnest expectation and hope, that I shall not be put to shame in anything, but that with all boldness Christ shall even now as always be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. We just have to have the attitude that whatever our situation, whatever the thorn that we face, is I'm going to do the next right thing, and I'm going to let Christ be magnified in me. I will continue to look to God's grace. I will let God mold me. I will continue to keep praying 
And if the answer is no, then I'll pray for endurance and acceptance of God's will. And just a couple of little thoughts here. You know, we only have to endure one day at a time. So many times I have the attitude that I've got to look a month, six months, two or three years down the road so that I can resolve a certain situation and so that I can have what is right accomplished. But really what I need to look at is my attitude today. Because all I have to do is do what is right today and let God take care of tomorrow. Whatever the problem is, a physical problem, a spiritual problem, a problem in our heart, I just need to have the right attitude today about that situation. And I need to do what is right. I have no excuse to quit. Paul didn't quit. No matter how bad it may seem, I've got to do the right thing. And remember what he said in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 10. Paul says he was well content with weaknesses. With insults, distresses, and persecutions and difficulties for the sake of Christ, because when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Now that's an oxymoron. That is something that our culture, our civilization, our society doesn't really understand that we've got to surrender ourselves to the real power. Someone told me uh, a couple weeks ago, in, uh, an individual who'd had a lot of difficulties in their life. A lot. Been in jail several times. Had been on some work release programs. Had dealt with addictions. And he'd finally gotten put in a, a work prison environment. I'm not sure I understand it, but they were to work while they were there. But he, they made them go and clean up some old uh, barracks of some sort that they were going to live in. And he opened up a locker and there was a note in there that said, Bloom where you're planted. And he said, that statement hit him. And he said, you know, here I am in this bad situation that, you know, I could just throw up my hands and say I'm going to quit. And he said, but I didn't. He thought, I can do something even in this circumstance that's positive. He began reading his Bible. He began studying. And he decided he became the model inmate. And he was finally released. And is working on his life still. Bloom where we're planted. Whatever our situation is, we can do something positive in that. If we can simply accept that God is in control. And we need to pray that His will be done. Let's pray to God this time. Our God and Father in Heaven, we're so thankful for Your Word and for the power of it. We're so thankful that you are with us, that you care about us. And Father, we just pray that uh, your will will be done in our lives. And you know what is in our hearts that all the individuals here, we, the things that we have to deal with and contend with in our lives, 
of different natures, but yet the same. Father, we pray that you would help us to accept the things that we have no power over, to turn them over to your will. And Father, we pray that we would certainly do all that we can, but to come to a sense of calmness in our hearts when we know there are situations that we simply have no control over. To have that trust in you like the Apostle Paul and to know that all we have to do is the next thing that is the right thing to do and to not grow weary. We ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, if you're not a child of God, we're going to stand and sing a song in just a minute. Giving you the opportunity to respond to the Lord's invitation. If you're not a Christian, to come forward at this time and confess your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Repenting and turning from your sins. And being baptized even this morning. If we can help you in that in any way, won't you come now as we stand in front? I hope Brother Garrett's lesson on the thorn in the flesh, the thorn that will not go away, was beneficial to you and helpful as you're striving to be more and more like Christ. If you have any questions about the thorn in the flesh or about the Franklin Church of Christ, please call us. 615-794-2359 or you may contact us through our website www.franklinchurchofchrist.com If somebody gave you this lesson may I encourage you please go to that website that I just mentioned again it's franklinchurchofchrist.com we have several lessons there that you're free to download both in outline and audio format you're allowed to download those, pass them out, copy them, use them in whatever way you believe will honor and glorify our Father in heaven. May God richly bless you as you draw closer to Him. But more importantly, may you richly bless God.